It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Football. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Football! We reached peak, peak football. Judd Zolgad in, uh, in my office yesterday, or was it two days ago? Two days ago. Hold on. There we go. Oh, there we, there we go. go. Now you're on. There we go. Uh, when, when, uh, when, when we brought a Nintendo system into play so that Matthew Collar could take video and photos of the four curls play run by Dan Marino and the Miami Dolphins uh-huh. offense, Mark Duper and Mark Clayton. Very effectively, right. For an article that will be posted on 1500ESPN.com. And so I talked to Mike Zimmer about it today. Not necessarily about video games, though it wouldn't have been the first time I had talked to Mike Zimmer about video games. I told him once that I go for it every time on Madden, and he commented that I also can't lose my job on Madden. So that may be why I go for it more often than he does. Well, can you get but, coaches get fired on Madden, don't they? Uh, or does that not happen? You have to be really bad to get fired on Madden. Usually the thing with Madden is if you go for it on fourth down every time, you can make up for it by just being really good on offense, which is probably true in the real NFL. But I actually think that Zimmer has a pretty good feel for when he should be aggressive and go for it and when he shouldn't. I know that Sean McVay went for it. QB sneak, which is a 90% play for how often it works. If you have fourth and one or less, you're going to get it. So when Jason Garrett said it was a long one for why he didn't go for it the other night, it's like, okay, find somebody who's never going to yeah. say it's a long one. Yeah. Right? Um, if you give it to Asiata, it's only like a 30% chance of getting it, which yeah. is what the Vikings did three years ago. <laughs> yes, but. yes. But I think that actually Zimmer has come a long ways with his game management uh, for a guy that was a coordinator for a very long time and I think struggled with it at times that he has put more effort into it, and it hasn't been perfect. They botched the first half of the Rams game at the end. But yes, also, that was brutal. It's, it's also hard to tell like who did what wrong there. Like, Was the quarterback supposed to be something different? Well, the, the quarterback. The, so even, regardless of whose fault it, it is truly, the quarterback is in control in that situation. Yeah. And so I came away from that thinking, okay, yeah, Zimmer needs, I don't know, needs to coach it up or button it up, but the quarterback who's been a starter for four years has to know that Here's yep. how much time is left. Here's how many timeouts we have. Yep. You're not looking to the sideline. You're not a college quarterback. You're not looking at the sideline. So it's it's partially on him, too. Yeah, I agree with that. But overall, my assessment over the last two years of Zimmer in game management situations, how often he punts, when he goes for it, things like that, even the challenges, sometimes you'll have that emotional Zimmer challenge every once in a while. But I think he's done a nice job of it overall. And, that, and that's something that... 
Uh, I think he's improved at, and I asked him about before the season, and he said that he realized early on that he needed a lot of work at it Mm -hmm. and then started to ramp that up in practice and training camp and all those things. So maybe he's not the guy with the play card that says go for two at this time or don't go for two at that time, but he seems to get that right a lot. So you you asked him, though, about a play that, that you had shown Phil on Tecmo Super Bowl is that, yeah, that what I'm to take from this? Yes. That so how did you ask Mike <laughs> yeah, Zimmer? Like, just like dumbfounded by so, this. <laughs> so so how how did you ask Mike about a play that you were showing Phil on a game that he probably he has dabble. not heard of? He might have dabbled back. I in the, doubt uh, early Mike 90s. Zimmer. Nah, I don't think so. But nonetheless, s- I'm curious about how this transpired. Mike said uh, last year that he does not play any video games, and he also thought Game of Thrones was a video game. So I, I don't. Yeah, have they don't, made a video game think, version of that yet? I mean, probably yeah, they like do, they for do, PC. Actually. Okay, yeah. so he was right. Yeah. Okay, so he nailed it. Yeah. Yep. Um, but <laughs> the way that I put it was just that the Eagles last week used it for. It was either a first down or maybe that was the play where Harrison Smith jumped on Elshon Jeffrey and made a great play. But either way, the Eagles used it there, and the Vikings used it for a key first down in Week 1 against the 49ers, which he knew exactly what play I was referring to, which it just tells you about these guys' minds and how incredible they are and encyclopedic about every play they've ever coached. It's remarkable. Because I said, well, you use that all-curls concept in week one against the 49ers, he was like, well, you mean the like the sticks play? And I'm like, oh, sure, whatever you call it, because there's different language for all these different things. But uh, then he went on to explain about the different ways that you manipulate zone coverages using this sticks play, which is on Tech Mobile. And it also, the bigger message here, and when I write about it, I'll, I'll try to put this as best I can, uh, is just that a lot of the talk is all about the offensive explosion and all those things. But the concepts are still being used from the 90s and the 80s and ones that were invented by Bill Walsh even going way back to when he was with the Cincinnati Bengals. But it's the way that great coaches are manipulating those concepts that is very different, and I don't think defenses have caught up to this. And where the Vikings and their fans should feel very good is that John Filippo knows all this stuff, and does all this stuff. They used, I think, a different personnel package on every single play on their first drive in the last game against the Eagles. Just to disguise what they might be doing, right? Exactly. Is it true that co- that coaches... Who did I hear talking about this? I feel like Tony Romo pointed this out or something. I can't remember where I heard this, but that coaches will purposely put different looks in just because because teams are using scouting services like PFF that are mm-hmm. running data scans, right? How often do you run this play out of this set, right? That they will purposely do things at the end of games that are 21-point games just yeah. to throw off like the percentage of this formation running this play. I can absolutely that's chess see that. at its highest level, yeah. right? I could see that. And so I'll give you an example. They ran basically the same play to Stephon Diggs about five to seven times against the Eagles where he takes the snap and he just wings it out to Stephon Diggs. But they did it with a different look each time, which I have on our website now about some of the different ways they did it. So in one of the plays, they've got the fullback in. And as soon as Kirk takes the snap, 
The fullback goes hard forward like, I'm fullbacking on this play, guys. The linebacker, you could see his vision is on the fullback because they have what they call keys. So they're reading certain specific things in the backfield, the linebackers are. So his key is probably to read the fullback on that play. He sees the fullback charging forward like he's going to block, like head down, shoulders, pad level, all that. Fullbacky things. Linebacker takes two steps forward, leaving digs. And the corner, one-on-one, and it was off coverage, so he just throws it right out there. That big space in the field is gone because the linebacker came hard looking at the fullback in the backfield. So what John Filippo is doing here, that's about as simple of a concept as you get, is just take the snap, wing it out to the guy, wide receiver screen. I mean, I bet that's on... Tecmo Bowl at some somewhere in some yeah. playbook. Actually, too. you know what? Tecmo Super Bowl doesn't really have doesn't the have screen screens? passes. Okay. Do you right. They got that they little do. swing pass, I no. think. All right. They well, do on Madden. Yeah. yeah. They've got that one. Yeah. The Oilers have that Warren Moon quarterback sneak play that really it's tough because <laughs> it like he has to go back a step and it yeah, it's but So they're so so they were basically running the same play to Diggs, but it was just like a different Different personnel, different times, different formations, different times, basically. So, so this is cool because they have a different formation, but also different blocking schemes and different ways to do the same play action. So on one play, they do that thing with C.J. Ham ramming forward. On the next time they did it, which should have turned into a touchdown, but it just wasn't executed well enough, they give a zone run look to the right. And it looks like a pitch play. So he takes the snap, he fakes the pitch to Rock Thomas. But on the left side of the offensive line, they all go left. So everything's going right, they all go left. So Compton and Reef run out, and it's basically a two-on-two situation since everyone else has followed the zone blocking scheme on the right. And that leaves Diggs pretty much open there to run into the end zone if the offensive linemen do their job. But the sneaky... Philadelphia Eagles uh, defensive backs were able to kind of work their way around and tackle them. But it was the same thing. It was a play action, quick pass out there, just with an entirely different look. And that's exactly what the Vikings offense is, is a bunch of the same different concepts, Mm -hmm. but with all the different manipulations to those that make it hard for any opposing team to pin them down. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Football, yeah! That's football. Drama free right now too. Wow. You gotta eat. Unlike Jimmy, man, are they are they drama free? I guess they are. Griffin's still not back, but yeah. besides that, yeah, they're they're. Very... Delvin Cook is a full participant in practice today, by and, the way. So uh, that storm has been weatherlyed. Oh, yes, sweet. Damn. Oh my god. Got him. Football. Football. No, yeah. no, no. Take that stuff back to Buffalo. Yeah. You get back to Buffalo right now, and I don't mean Phil's hometown. I mean Buffalo, New York. Damn. So wait. Defensive end-wise, though, they're going to be... So this is going to be a second consecutive game with with how many defensive ends active? Well, Jalen Holmes is going to be a defensive end for this game. But they're going to have to rely on Daniil Hunter to be a 90% of snaps guy. And Stephen Weatherly is probably going to be the same. What they did in this game against Philadelphia was really impressive. I mean, they pushed those guys back. Jason Peters was slowed. He had to leave late in that game. That mm-hmm. helped. But Stephen Weatherly... Handled Lane Johnson. Turns out Johnson was playing with an injury, too, so they got a little bit of a good bounce there. But this week, they're playing an offensive line that has Andre Smith as a starting right tackle. Remember Andre Smith? Oh, mm-hmm. my word. Was he the guy that ran with his shirt off at the combine? Or was that a different yeah, guy? Yes, it was him. The and, then he dude, went to the right? ba- and then he yeah. went to the Bengals and played here two years yeah, ago. that's the dude who ran, he got he ran yeah. a shirtless... A, a, an offensive tackle ran a, shirt, like a shirtless forty-yard dash. It looked like me, and he had and he had C cups. I mean, it was 
Not well, safe for work. I respect that. He was good for a couple years with Cincinnati, but then yeah. fell off hard, and then they brought him here to solve the offensive line issues. High draft pick, too, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. first round pick. And, yeah. it just, and it just didn't work out, and he's playing still. So that is an opportunity <laughs> wow. there you know what, for that, the Vikings. That is a testament to how desperate teams are yep. for, for guys yeah. on the line. Again, if God blessed you with a six-foot-five frame and you're 300-plus pounds, you're going you're gonna to make some money. Or, at the very least, you're going to... Be Matt Khalil and be able to launch some pizza shops later in life. But he made money too. Football. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna keep the football hour rolling here, and later on we might dip back into some Wolves vent line. We got Matthew Collar hanging out from the Purple Podcast and 1500ESPN.com. Tom Pelissero from NFL Network will join us when we come back, Judd. But first time to talk to Mister Money. Mackie and Judd are back. Please continue on 1500 ESPN. Quick check on your traffic before we return to the football hour here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 694 eastbound, we have a crash in Arden Hills that is uh, adding just a few minutes to your commute. That is near uh, Hamlin Avenue and uh, Highway 10, so look out for a crash there. And also uh, 35W northbound, we have a crash in Minneapolis uh, between 50th Street and 46th Street, uh, adding about five minutes to your commute there. This update was brought to you by the Better Business Bureau. Join Better Business Bureau. At the Torch Awards for Ethics, BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org slash Minnesota. Football. Football is right. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie, Judd, Collar, Manny. Joining the show now from the National Football League Network, Tom Pelissero, who joins us every Thursday. All right, sir. What is your what is your confidence now in the Vikings after uh, they lost to the Rams on the Thursday night game and came back with what appeared to be a solid performance in Philadelphia last Sunday to pull to that great record of two two and one. I hate the tie. It really does. It just doesn't roll off the tongue quite the same way. Kind of like when you say National Football League Network. You like that? Far more formal than simply NFL Network, which I believe is where I actually work. I would say say, the passing game for the Vikings has been there. I mean, Kirk Cousins has played extraordinarily well when you consider some of the issues that he has in front of him. On the offensive line, his left tackle, Riley Reef, has been dealing with a foot injury for weeks now. Uh, They've not been able to run the football effectively. No Dalvin Cook, yet Cousins is, you know, slinging it all over the place, continuing to make plays. I think the defense looked a lot more like what Mike Zimmer expects his defense to look like. You, you needed somebody to step up uh, you know, on the front lines. Uh, certainly Linval Joseph did that, but also Tayshawn Bauer against a really good right tackle. Lane Johnson held his own, showed up with both speed and power. I mean, that's a really good sign as the, the Vikings move forward here. It just looked more like the style of football they're accustomed to playing. If they can actually start to run the ball a little bit and Dalvin Cook fully participating in practice today, you would have to take as a good sign, then that would um, give them some of the balance that uh, right now, to this point, they've really lacked. Yeah. All right, this is a hot take question, but do you think the Vikings knocked the Eagles out of the playoffs? The Eagles have a tough schedule the rest of the way. No, I mean, I, I think if the Eagles beat the Giants tonight, the Giants uh, probably can start planning their boat cruises for uh, January down in Miami. You know, I, I think that you know they're in more trouble. I think the Eagles are still figuring some things out. Carson Wentz coming back from ACL. You know, he's back in, I believe it was, what, eight and a half months after surgery to play? 
that's a really quick turnaround. So there's some things physically that he's got to work through. There are certainly, just in terms of the feel of the game and that stuff, um, you know, it'll come. The very first game Wentz came back, I mean, he was still spinning out of traffic and making plays on the run and doing some of those things that we're used to seeing. But, you know, they, they've also had injuries at the running back position. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, their top receiver, is working his way back. They've had some different uh, challenges here. I think that there's plenty of time for the Eagles to uh, revive themselves, but it's got to start tonight. Tom, what is your feeling on how the NFC North is going to shake out here? Because it seems like with every team, you could make a case for them, and every team, you could make a case against them. And we didn't get to see a Chicago Bears game this this weekend, obviously. But, you know, the Detroit Lions have two wins, but they're both against Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And the Packers have looked strong, but they've let games get away with not being able to make field goals and things like that. Uh, it, does this one seem the most up in the air to you? It's still, it's still a strong division, I think, Matthew. I think that right now, to me, the team that's atop the NFC North standings is, remains the biggest unknown. I know the Bears have won three games in a row. Matt Nagy has done an unbelievable job getting them playing, especially offensively, the creativity he's brought to it, the energy that we saw from that team from the day I visited on the, the first day of training camp. Um, but, you know, you still wonder, okay, is Khalil Mack going to be able to come up with one or two game-turning plays Every single week. John Gruden certainly, I'm sure, hopes that uh, that doesn't continue. It's been a pretty amazing run so far for Max, especially when you consider he didn't have an offseason, didn't have training camp or anything, rolled off the couch and immediately was strip-sacking somebody every single week. You know, can that offense continue to go? Um, you know, they had an extraordinary day against the Bucks a couple of weeks ago before the bye. Can they pick up that momentum? Can Trubisky um, be consistent? I think that that's probably the biggest question. We all know everybody knew every scout knew coming out in the draft he was really really accurate uh he couldn't he has a, a good athlete he can make plays on the run but can he actually put it together play consistently from the pocket there's no questions about that i mean the vikings i think the saw glimpses of what they hoped they could be last week they've had some different things that they're trying to overcome they got a lot of newness to them in terms of the coordinator change um you know with the packers it's just a matter of rogers continuing to get back to full health he was a lot better going into last week. Then he got banged on the knee again. So we'll see exactly how he's moving around. I'll have that game on Monday night against the 49ers at Lambeau Field. Uh, they, they've just got to gather some momentum. But their defense, let's not overlook that. The Packers have, I believe, the fourth-ranked defense in the league in yards. And that's a little bit skewed because last week they gave up a ton of points because they were on short fields. And, um, you know, the Lions didn't have to rack up a lot of yards to score a lot of points. But the defense is much improved, especially on the back end. So if Rodgers can become Rodgers, you know, sometime soon here, that offense can get going. They still look like a dangerous team. And then the Lions, you know, a little bit of an unknown there, too. Uh, it, it's going to take a while for Matt Patricia to build up that program. But you're right. They've uh, found a way to get a couple of quality wins over good teams. And all these games within the division are going to be uh, pretty fascinating the rest of the way. Right now, and there's a long way to go. The Vikings didn't get off to the greatest start. I think they were two and two uh, through four games last year too. Uh, you know, so somebody certainly could make a run. It could be the Vikings, but kind of has a feel of a division that's going to beat up on itself a little bit here. And ten, eleven wins might get it done. Tom, that kind of answers my next question about the NFC as a whole in general. Have the Rams and Saints kind of separated themselves from the rest of the pack, or is it too early to tell right now? Well, both of them are heavy, heavy passing-oriented offenses. I know that the Rams have a certainly run threat with Todd Gurley, Adam Kamara, and with Mark Ingram back, there's going to be more of a run element there. 
Um, you know, but offense has driven both those teams so far. The Rams, you know, got some issues they got to sort out. You know, they've not covered all that well. We all wonder where the pass rush was going to come from. Um, you know, there's some questions they got to answer. The Saints, really, I, it's probably not fair to say that they're a pass-oriented team, but Brees has done a lot. Now, I think that's going to turn a little bit here as you move forward, especially with Ingram there. Alvin Kamara was never a guy they wanted to have 30 touches a game. They think he's at his best when he has a little bit less can do more with it, can uh, be going full speed. And you saw um, what, the way that they worked those guys last week, giving Ingram a little bit of a break into their bye. Yeah, you've got to put those teams uh, right there up at the top, but it's, uh, you know, it's really right off anybody else. I think we've seen glimpses so far from the Carolina Panthers and what they can be. I think you got some teams in the north. Um, you know, we'll see now. I think tonight will be a very interesting game with the Eagles uh, playing and the fact the Redskins are the number one team in the division, and you just – saw what happened to them down in New Orleans. I think says there's a lot that's got to be sorted out in the East. And then there's even some teams like the Seahawks that took the Rams to the wire last week. I mean, their offense, you're starting to see them get get going a little bit in the direction they want to go. They're so young on defense right now, but it's wide open. NFC's talented. Hey, Tom, we're on pace right now to see 12,272 points scored, which would be a 9.4% increase from last year. Do you foresee this continuing? Because this isn't just sort of a tick up. This is a dramatic, dramatic increase, which I think is driven in large part by by the rules that are being enforced in 2018 that probably weren't in 2017. I feel like we've talked about this every week, that you know, for all the complaints about the roughing the passer yes. calls, Look at look what's going on. No quarterbacks are getting hurt. You know the only uh, the only quarterbacks that have really missed any time with injuries were Marcus Mariota with kind of a freak elbow thing, and Jimmy Garoppolo who tore his ACL in a non-contact play. You haven't seen you know broken collarbones, broken ribs, that type of stuff. So guys are playing. Um, we know that the passing rules have been opened up, become more liberal over the past ten to fifteen years. Just in general, it's kind of a perfect storm right now. But um, offenses are, you know, usually early on in the season, you talk about defenses being a little bit ahead of offenses. It's the exact opposite right now. So I see no reason it's going to slow down, and that uh, certainly makes for a pretty entertaining game. Tom, what have you heard about uh, Josh Rosen? Is he too smart to be uh, in Arizona or what? <laughs> he's, you know, he's somebody who I did a lot of work on heading into the draft, um, you know, in terms of how we can spin the football and just pure passing ability. Most people that you talk to, not everybody, but most people would say that he was the number one guy in the class. You know, he does not have the mobility of a Baker Mayfield, a Sam Darnold. He's not going to make a lot of plays outside the pocket, um, but functional mobility inside the pocket is, is pretty good. You know, the questions with Rosen were really durability because he had had concussions. He had had some shoulder issues. Um, so far, that's not been an issue for him. And then just, you know, the personality, getting getting along with the guy, you know, was he going to take to coaching? I mean, I've heard nothing so far that indicates that uh, that has not happened so far in Arizona. Uh, it helps that their quarterback's coach happens to be Byron Leftwich, who knows what it's like to play position in the position in the league, knows what it's like to be a, a top-ten draft pick with all sorts of pressure on you. He's got a pretty good support system there uh, between Leftwich and Mike McCoy. Now, you know, they've got to just figure out ways really to get the ball to David Johnson in creative ways, uh, which they've done over the past couple of weeks increasingly. You've seen him out more in the passing game. A week like this against the Vikings, you're thinking, okay, how can we get David Johnson matched up on the linebackers? How can we get him out in space a little bit? Because if you want to poke one consistent role in the Vikings defense, it's really been the linebackers being able to cover this season. And Johnson, we've seen before, as a receiver, is awfully good. Yeah. 
You grew up in the 80s and the 90s. Did you ever get into Tecmo Super Bowl? Yeah, I play. I don't know. I shouldn't say I played that the other day. I did play a game of Little League Baseball on Nintendo wow. the other day. Uh, yes, absolutely. Tecmo Super Bowl was uh, was my game back in the day. We were... Uh, so Matthew Collar uh, had us fire up Tecmo Super Bowl here in the office just so he could take video and screenshots of the four curls play and show it to various people over at uh, Vikings because they run the same play. If you had one team to play with in Tecmo Super Bowl, which team would you pick? Oof, that is uh, that's a difficult question because... I mean, Bo Jackson's the obvious running back, but... You know. Right, you know, but he was more dominant in the original Tecmo Bowl. I That's think true. once you got the Super Bowl, I mean, you you'd have to say probably the Giants actually, simply because Lawrence Taylor was unstoppable on defense. He was. You can yeah. play offense with almost anybody in Tecmo Super Bowl, but if you don't happen to select the one correct of the eight plays, uh, you need a single defender <laughs> to run around the field with. Edge players are generally going to be the most impactful in Tecmo Super Bowl because they're off the ball. They're not immediately locked up like defensive linemen. Uh, and it doesn't really matter what side of the field you're on because you can track both on, on both sides of the line of scrimmage. So I'm going to give you a very long answer to say I would take the Giants be Lawrence Taylor every play on defense and count on my ability to force a couple turnovers and back up Phil Simpson company. Can we make this a weekly segment on NFL Network where you're just <laughs> you just break down Tecmo Super Bowl matchups? We can we can break something down uh, here on the show. I'm happy to do uh, Tecmo Super Bowl anytime. You know, play, and, and by the way, too, just so we don't uh, overlook this, uh, you know, we got to give credit last week for the Vikings to John D. Filippo. You know, I know that he was one of the two guys who got a game ball and actually brought up some of the tape on uh, on NFL Network the other day. He earned that game ball, not just because he's facing his old team, but between the backed-up deep shot that he dials up to Adam Thielen uh, and then the third-and-one call. Everybody overlooked it in the moment. I went back and watched the coach's film as well as the TV copy. It didn't even appear that the announcers picked up on it. It's an unbalanced formation. Kyle Rudolph is lined up at right tackle, gets totally lost, and does a good job kind of fighting through trash there. Linebacker never sees him. It's, and it's a wrinkle that I was told the Vikings have never put on tape before. So high leverage situation, five minutes to go, which it was really the game because it set up the field goal that pushed the lead to nine. Uh, DiFilippo dials it up. It ends up being a, a great call, and he's uh, he's got Kirk Cousins right now playing at a really, really high level. Yeah, Tom, that's what we were talking about a little earlier, is just the way that John D. Filippo has used uh, a lot of different personnel and a lot of different looks and motions and all these things. At, at one point, Stefan Diggs motions behind the formation, and they get him what is called technically a running play because it was a backward pass, but it's really a screen, and they found ways to get him in space. I think if you've gone through each game, then you come out, at this point, being very impressed with what they've seen from John D. Filippo, despite the fact that they can't really create anything on the run. Well, that's exactly it. He's kind of got one hand tied behind his back because how effective is your play-action game going to be when you're not running it well? And really the Vikings' entire approach going into the season was they wanted to be a pounded football team that then ran play-action and got some of those deep shots up the field. So they're finding other ways to generate offense, mainly by just letting Kirk Cousins dice people up and you know those those big moments the big calls that sometimes you know you got to have some guts to to pull that i mean how many how many coordinators in the league backed up at your own five with a 14 point lead on the road against the defending super bowl chance is going to go this is when we're going to let kirk cousins uh go to adam Thielen on a double move and hope that we've got the right 
you know, the right coverage that we're looking for here. It ends up being a, a terrific call. It certainly helps, though, of course, when you know the uh, you got a pretty good familiarity with the tendencies of the coordinator you're going against. But yeah, Flip's done a, he's done a really good job so far working within the confines of you know some of the limitations that they have. And there's a reason that once again, if he keeps tracking this way, you're going to hear his name for head coaching openings come January. Yeah. Hey, where are you at this weekend, Tom? Monday night, Green Bay. I'll be flying in there on Sunday. Uh, Live all afternoon, setting up Rodgers versus C.J. Beathard nice. on NFL Network. Awesome, man. All right, Tom, we'll see you next week, man. Bye. Tom Pelissero from the, NFL the one The one game the league does not want to show to a national audience they're going to have to show, Rodgers against C.J. Beathard. C.J. Beathard against man. anybody. Football. You know, if Garoppolo hadn't been a moron and tried to make that really weird move, he would have been just fine. He'd get hit. He, he, yeah, he was he, just an idiot. He tightroped for no reason. Yeah, uh, Mackie and Judd's the football hour, and I, if we, maybe we mix in some before the uh, the day is over. Some more Wolves vent line too, and and keep you guys posted on the saga over downtown Minneapolis. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do on fifteen hundred ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yeah. On fifteen hundred ESPN. Mackie and Judd, Matthew Collar hanging out here. And before we send Matthew packing, he does have Jimmy Butler takes. So we're gonna let Matt we're gonna give Matthew Collar the Jimmy Butler takes floor here in just a second. But our guy Bob in Pennsylvania is a warrior. You've been on hold for fifty minutes, Bob. Way to go, Bob. Congratulations for hanging in there. And you're still alive too after Sunday. I'm proud of you. The floor is yours, Bob. <laughs> Lucky to be alive after that Eagles victory. Thank the Lord. While we're on that topic, you know, the Eagles fans were subdued. At the tailgate, you know, I had young punks walking by showing me their Super Bowl rings. Yeah, I wore my Culpepper number 11 jersey. I heard Fumble Ruski, but, you know, no violence. They were actually pretty cool. And, and at the Eagles tailgate, you're allowed to have beer in a can. You can't do that in New York. At the game, though, however, after the after the, the pick six by the linemen, they were getting a little upset, and then they really got they got, they got angry after the Bennett call. Hmm. After the uh, you know, roughing the passer Bennett call. And then they were—they almost threw me over the railing. You know, they gave me the fly, Eagles fly, and and after that, I called the event line and I said, "Listen, they did that to me, and I I rotated back with a right hand to the chest to one of those young punk Eagles yes, fans. Bob. That was the end of that. A Rocky ball. That Rocky would have swung the left hand. Flowing through my Vikings veins. And a boy. But anyway. Getting back to the game, mm-hmm. what I really like about Cousins, who, by the way, has more class in his big toe than the guy you were talking about for the last two and a half hours, he has the ability to make, to change the game and to change the whole Vikings persona and the whole Vikings approach to the game, to throw and make big plays on first downs. He did it. 
on four big plays with with Thielen and Diggs. And I'll tell you what, when you have those receivers and you get the protection he had against the Eagles, and he even said in the press conference that my offensive line was the reason why I had a great game. Yeah. Bob, thanks for the phone call. Can we get, like, Bob and, like, Randy and Cottage Grove just just do, just do a show together? Or just, just have them, let, deep just, each? just give them, like, an hour and just let them go back and forth about just Vikings. Wearing their Zubas mm-hmm. and getting thrown off the upper deck so uh, Bob, regions of the stadium. Bob makes a point about the first downs that I totally agree with, though, is that they have not continued to just try to run into nothingness on first down. Mm-hmm. That John Filippo has said... Okay, I mean, if we're not going to create those big plays with the run game, if we're not going to get five, six, seven yards, then forget it. We're going to find other ways to get those yards, and we are going to take shots on first down, which is kind of a run or pass down in almost every situation, whereas third down, you're stuck. They know you're going to pass. But if you can get the most out of Kirk Cousins on first down, so defenses still have to be concerned about the running game, at least in some way, uh, I I think that's one of the reasons they have had success on offense. Yeah. All right, what are your Jimmy Butler takes? Go I'm, ahead. You got two minutes for, right. for Jimmy Butler takes. All right. We're going to wrap with Roycey because he has takes too. Michael Jordan punched Steve Kerr in the face once in practice. Okay? Punched him in the face. He had three rings by that point. Kobe Bryant was the worst teammate in history when he when Shaq was out there. And those two butted heads for years, and Shaq said, tell me how my bleep yeah. tastes. Right after Kobe lost. Mm-hmm. You, you got, I mean, Iverson was getting arrested all the time for like guns and weed and stuff like that. Like, if you were expecting your superstar players in the league, how about Durant makes fake accounts to argue with random people on Twitter and Instagram? That's just to passive aggressive. Judd does that too. That's passive aggressive. My point is just that. If you always expect these guys to just be like normal level headed, someone sent me a tweet yesterday about like, oh, if you did that in your office, like what? Like, I don't get $30 million a year to come here and do that. And this isn't anything like a normal office. These are guys who are highly competitive. And Jimmy Butler has been through a hell of a lot in his life to be here. He's a different cat. But it was orchestrated. I understand that. that. But if you think that any of us can relate to Jimmy Butler as a human being and why he makes the decisions he makes, I'm telling you, you can't. Because you don't have the level of competitiveness nowhere close. You do not have the background that he has, and you do not have the determination that he has to win basketball games. I think this is all him desperate to prove that he's one of the best to win games, and he feels like he's got to leave here. And the fact that they would not send him out, then he was going to make noise. But I would argue that, so I, I agree with like 80% of what you just said, but if his end game is to be part of a winning team that can compete for a championship, I would argue that he's apparently going to survey the entire league, and unless it's LeBron James or Steph Curry, okay, and that would be great. I would love to watch LeBron James and Jimmy Butler be teammates and put whoever else on the roster and re- let them run roughshod, but... Okay. Here would be my guess is that Jimmy thinks that with the right teammates, he can win if they will compete like he will. And when you look at the two other star players on this team, it is not close. And so 
Now, I don't like the whole orchestrated thing. I don't like bringing Rachel Nichols in here and making a big show out of it. But I do like him showing up at practice and embarrassing Carl Anthony Towns because nobody needs that more in his life than Carl Anthony but how Towns. Can it, but how can his boss sit there and watch that? That's well, embarrassing. I, I agree. The, I agree the entire that. thing's embarrassing. I, I just the reason that I tend to side with Jimmy and wanting not to stay here and then putting on the sure. antics to try to further his case to be traded out mm-hmm. is those two guys. How could you spend the year in the locker room and then watch what they did in the playoffs and believe that they'll ever win? It's really hard. Now, Cat is very young, and we've seen guys get a lot, a lot better. Teams get built around these guys. It's hard to paint a narrative when they're that young. I get that. But when you spend that much time around guys and you are desperate to win still in your prime and you see they're not going to compete on your level, they're not going to work on your level... I mean, the stat from Zach Lowe is the most damning thing I've ever seen. That Andrew Wiggins runs hard 4% of the time. Four yeah. percent. That's that's Judd runs hard four percent of the thing. time. Here's the thing. I think it also comes down to I think it also comes down to just organizational leadership. I mean For sure. Matt, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, like that you had Phil Jackson that knew how to manage those personalities. Absolutely, Scottie Pippen That's, and those guys. With Kobe Bryant, you had Phil Jackson who knew how to, and and you've got Jerry West in the front office who knew how to manage those personalities. The Wolves don't have that. Yep, that was the single and most important the problem. thing. And Wiggins and Towns definitely are not this. Like, Wiggins is a replaceable player. Carl Anthony Towns is incredible. Both have issues with different areas. And they needed somebody to bridge the gap between specifically Towns and Butler. And, well, that's not Tom Thibodeau. Anyways, Collar, find him on 1500ESPN.com. Purple Podcast. We wrap with Royce when we come back. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokley. On 1500 ESPN. What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic before we wrap up with Royce. 35W northbound, we have that crash in Minneapolis between 3rd Street and Washington Avenue. That's uh, adding about an extra seven minutes to your commute. And uh, also 35W northbound, we have a crash between 50th and 46th Street near uh, or in Minneapolis, adding a few minutes to your commute there. Thank you, Manny. Hello, Patrick. How are you doing, gentlemen? How are things? Pretty dang good. I was uh, I was talking to Johnny K today. Do you know where Rachel Nichols did that interview? No idea. Where? Jimmy Butler's house. Oh, with the pool table right there. Okay. <laughs> so they were. ESPN was waiting for him at the house. But we're going to be honest about everything that took place yesterday. Well, right? he he supposedly did call her on Tuesday, yes. I think, and said. Yes. Come here now. I'll talk to you. No, come to town. Yeah, be in town tomorrow because this is going to be good. What's the most plausible ending here, Pat? They trade him. Like next week? No, like before the week. Okay. Although I did hear somebody else told me that uh, actually Miami turned down the trade. They had an agreement, and then the Miami owner got cold feet, but it could be the Butler camp spinning it the other way around. So Interesting. Anyway. But, but, anyway. We have found, but we have found the bad guy, because I read it in today's Star Tribune. Mark Wahlberg screwed this entire thing that's up by right. getting to Jimmy Buckets, damn it. That's, that's right. That's my angle on it. That, uh, it's, uh, a friend of mine in Chicago told me that... Uh, 
when Jimmy all of a sudden started hanging out with Marky Mark, he decided he was a superstar and uh, instead of just another schlep and uh, and uh, went off the uh, went off the deep end and became uh, became the guy who had to be the number one man in the room, even where Derrick Rose was around and. Apparently, that's what caused the troubles with him and Rose, too. Hmm. Yeah, Marky Mark was pretty hard on the rest of the new kids. He forced his way out of that group back in the... <laughs> Did he? Is he the guy that broke it out? Yeah, I have no he idea. the star, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's... Uh... It's uh, it's it's beautiful. There's, uh, there's no doubt about it. So, well, and, and, we have, and now Wiggy's not. Uh, Wiggy's going to be a father here. Apparently, so yeah. Apparently, yeah. Wiggins. Okay, I had no yeah. idea. Was that a thing? That was that well, public? He had, I think he had announced it on Instagram. Okay, he had posted on Instagram like a month or so ago mm-hmm. that he and his lady were expecting. Um, but well, maybe that uh, maybe a crying kid will get a little more life into him in the day. I'll have to start taking some no dose in the morning. <laughs> we take some no dose at halftime, for God's sake. We have uh, we have Wolves players though tweeting at media members now, Pat. We've got Jeff, Jeff T going after Shams, and we got uh, Gorgie going after our guy Dane Moore. It's crazy. <laughs> Gorgie, now I was having this talk with, uh, who was it today? I, said, I guess maybe Johnny, somebody else. But uh, I, okay, I know they're paying Gorgie too much money, but why is getting rid of him such a uh, such a problem here? I, I don't know why he has to be, he's a, you know, he's a perfectly fine backup center. What's the problem? Uh, you know, get rid Get rid of Jimmy first, and then worry about Gorgie, right? That's uh, you know. Yes, let, that would make more sense. Let, let Gorgie take care of himself. Now, I think the reason they wanted to get a number one from Miami was so they could give it to Sacramento, and they take Gorgie and give him back somebody that they could get rid of, uh, you know, after a year or so. Yeah. That's, that's, I, that's I think if I, you're, yeah, that's why I think they were trying to get the other number one so they could uh, give it to Sacramento. I think if you can move Gorgie's contract, you do, but it that shouldn't be the thing that's holding no, that's you up from least, making a trade for Jimmy. That's the least of your issues right, right now. Right. But uh, it's uh, it is uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's it's pretty uh, amazing. What here's here's another question we posed, and these are all rhetorical questions, but what what prevented if if Jimmy Butler went to Tom Thibodeau as Jimmy says four days after the season and said hey I I can't do this anymore I think these young guys are soft whatever I still love you Tibbs but I can't do this anymore what prevented Tom Thibodeau from trying to get Cat and Butler and I don't know Wiggins maybe who cares about Wiggins but Cat and Butler in a room to say hey how can we make this work for the next at least the next year, but maybe the next five years. What do you think? I don't that? know. I'm going with the rumor that Jimmy was trying to pick up Cat's girlfriend. I don't know. Maybe that's it. And they hate each other. That was what run was that one out there? A uh, yeah, yeah, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That and that would be that would be well, something that prevents they, it. Maybe they hate each other. I don't know. I I have no idea. I do think that Tibbs just figures, ah, he'll forget about it. He'll be fine in August. So <laughs> No, I think you're right. Yeah, he definitely thought that. I think that's exactly <laughs> what he thought. Yeah. Here's what I think is uh, when you call the boys up at the end of July and say, hey, you want to come in a week for an early week, a week early like everybody else does, and after here in the summer league and we'll have a little mini camp for about four days and everybody says no, that might be it. That might be an indication that you want to, uh, you, uh, you know, 
get uh, see see if there's uh, something very serious. <laughs> maybe Tibbs uh, put a put a Facebook invite out, and all of them said maybe attending. I'm not sure. No, I was uh, I was one of the last holdouts to have hope for Wiggy, uh, but uh, watching what I've seen this preseason, and I haven't seen more than about ten minutes. Uh, he did not shoot a free throw this summer. He didn't. I. He and I shot the same number of free throws this summer. Which means I shot more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not well, but I shot by more. The way, by the way, the several I saw him shoot, he didn't look a hell of a lot worse than you. <laughs> Thank you. See, there you go. I've got a future. <laughs> and I'm not disgruntled. I'll work hard, and I'm not disgruntled. I'm perfect employee. Well, here is the. He's by far a bigger problem than Jimmy Butler problem right now. What if this is how he intends to play? <laughs> what if it's this, only year one of the contract. Then it'll. What, if this, what is it? What if you know? As Thibodeau points out, he scored what he's one of. At that age, he's got as many points as all but about three guys in the history of the NBA. But what if he decides to keep getting worse? What if he decides to keep getting worse? Then then what the hell? Are then you it's doing? seventeen out of eighteen years without a playoff berth, basically. Yeah, I was thinking about writing that today until I uh, went to the with Marky Wahlberg, actually, you know, um, angle that uh, I was thinking about writing that the uh, we've had two playoff uh, eras here in uh, mm-hmm. in the history of the Timberwolves, and this one's going to be a hell of a lot shorter than the last one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, we'll see what tomorrow brings, Pat. All right. Uh, well, maybe tonight. Now, isn't Tim saying because all the Chicago boys are going to be in town tomorrow, he knows in Milwaukee that he's got to answer everybody's questions, so he just decided not to talk to anybody today. I guess because as, oh, as, as of right now, Jimmy Butler's interview with Rachel Nichols pretty much speaks for the franchise for And by the days. way, he's going to Rachel refuting. Uh, I, I don't think, by the way, you might not hear anything from the Timberwolves camp. I don't think you can believe one word you're hearing from the Butler camp. Yeah. At oh, this I'm point, sure you're uh, right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Bernie Lee yeah. is a, a yeah. smoke blower for sure. All right, yeah. Pat. We'll talk tomorrow. See you. Uh, bye. We uh, wrap with Royce every day. You can find all kinds of Jimmy Butler and Wolves vent line if you missed the first two hours of the show. On demand, Mackie and Judd, wherever you would find your favorite podcast, Apple Podcasts, 1500ESPN.com, and the mobile app. We'll see you tomorrow for a little Write That Down session. Going to guess there's a couple Wolves predictions to come tomorrow. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton. Motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world. Like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward. And take your breath away like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.